world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It is time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. The salt. Time. Pass the but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Oh, we're winding down. We're winding up towards September, just around the corner. September's going to be a big month for us, folks. We've got some stuff going on behind the scenes that uh, uh, we'll make you aware of later on. I I love this team. I I don't know if, would you call us a team? What would you call, what what is it you would call us? I'm not not joking. What is it, what are we? Are we a a body? Are we a ecclesia? Are we a huddle? Or what are we? Because you're really connected to something, whether you realize it or not. Most of you get up 7 o'clock in the morning, some of you earlier than that, every day to come in here. A council of leaders. What, whatever whatever it is, a council, whatever it is, this is this thing is really, really special. It really is. And uh, the thing that really encourages me, if, if you've watched the show at all, I've told you that the greatest measurement of leadership is a true leader replicates himself. In other words... If it, if it's football season and I'm coaching a football team and I happen to get the flu and oh wait a minute no no <laughs> COVID I happen to get COVID and I can't go to practice for a week the the team ought to not miss a ought, ought to not miss a beat because I've trained those around me to do the job that I do leaders reproduce themselves. Now, ask yourself this in your local church where you go and you spent most of your life. Very simple uh, question. Has the pastor at that church done anything to replicate himself? I was talking to, uh, went out to lunch yesterday with a, with a friend. And we we're discussing what we're talking about right here, right now. And I said, you know something? If that guy, something would happen to that guy, talking about the pastor, if something to happen to them, is there anybody that can pick up that mantle? And he just kind of looked at me. No. <laughs> No. And whether whether we admit it or not, Christianity has become a uh, religion of men. Let me say it another way. A religion of king servants. A religion of king servants. And the truth is, sitting at the hierarchical top of most churches is a king. You can say amen. You don't have to. We don't call him a king. We call him pastor. And for most pastors, they are so actively involved with the everyday business of church, whatever that means. That's why I couldn't. I can't be a pastor. I can't. I can't wipe a man's nose that he ought to be able to wipe himself. I can't do that. I can encourage him, but uh, we know that we've been conditioned. We have been conditioned to call the king. You got a problem? Why you call the king? Call pastor. And I. I wouldn't, you know, I you call me as your your pastor. I you know, I pray with you, but I'd probably it probably wouldn't end real good because I'd, at some point I'd say, "Hey, dude, you got to man up. You got yeah, man up. What do you want? What do you want me to do? You want me to pray to the Lord that He will somehow supernaturally overcome your negligence? You want me? That's what you want me to do? How how can I, how can I do that? So if you if you're gonna walk through this war, you're gonna fight through this war. I don't care what. It is. They call them apprentices, an apprentice. Got any Christian apprentices? Any pastor apprentices where you go? Or is it the king? And then when the king gets whatever, then he hands it off to the prince. Who's the prince? Probably some family member. It's a family business. And real men of God, like in here, there are so many leaders in this group. And the truth is, most of you have never been, dare I say it, commissioned or ordained to leadership. You would, you would be shocked the number of people I hear from who ask me to do things that I said, well, can't you do that? 
well, Coach, I, you know, I am, I'm, I'm not a minister. I don't, I don't, I don't have any ordination paper. What? what are you talking about? You've been called, man. You've been set apart. You're looking for some paper from some approval from some man. You want some, uh, you want some other king to come and anoint you as a prince? Is that what it is? No, I'm not talking about not having authority, being under authority, and all that. Although, ultimately, we're all under the authority of God. But can I tell you what the authority structure is about? What the authority structure of Coach Dave's football team when I was coaching? Each one of those guys, their job was there, was to encourage the leader to take the team the right direction. And they had the right to sit down with me at any time and say, Coach, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Or say, Coach, we've got this problem over here. We better take care of this over here. Or, Coach, this, this kid here is struggling with that. It was their job to bring to me uh, the issues so that we as a collective could figure out how to walk through these things together, not just some elder board. What does that even mean, an elder board? Amen. So, we're right here. so here's, here's one of the problems we have, and I, it's not a big problem, but I, I'm, I, I come across it every day. Everybody's trying to figure out who's the elder board here. Who do we turn? Who has coaches here? How, hey, dude, you got an idea? Let's go. Let's go. I'm here to help you. Let's go do it. But if you have to sit around and you have to wait on me to call play every time, we are never going to win. I got too many balls in the air. And there's nothing that does my heart better than to see somebody step out and move and do it without me having to grab their hand and walk them down the primrose path, whatever that would be. So I'm here to encourage you today that you all have been called. You you wouldn't be in here. You wouldn't get up every morning if there wasn't something about what's going on here that was empowering you or tapping at your heart. I want you to know that I'm here, Coach Dave Live. We're here to help you do what it is the Lord has called you to do. You don't need my approval. You can ask me and I might say, ah, yeah, I don't know about that. But ultimately, it's your vision. Remember I told you about writing the vision down, make it clear the one who reads it can run with it. But the vision is yet for a appointed time. So it's your vision the Lord has given you. I can't be king, sorry. I can't be pastor over Oklahoma. I can't be pastor over Texas. I can't, they try to do it. I mean, we see guys all the way try to build these apostolic networks. It's all about titles and who's more important and who has more authority and who has more power. And that is not of the Lord. Oh my goodness, Lord, help us to see it. Help us to see it. Amen, Dave. And uh, thanks, man. It burdens me. It burdens me because I I just want to sit back and say, go, dude, go. How can I help? How can I help? Can't lead everything. I can't. I can give you wisdom. Well, I can do better than this. I could say, hey, call Silver. He may have a good angle on that one. Hey, call Mark. He may have an angle on that one. Hey, call this person. That's why in the multitude of many counselors is great wisdom. And I'm going to tell you, American Christianity is dying on the vine because there ain't no multitude. There ain't no multitude. There ain't no multitude running churches, folks. It isn't happening. And uh, it's been the it's been stifling on the growth. I believe most importantly of men. Men have been stifled in churches because there is no avenue of outflow, men are so unconfident when it comes to Christianity. We're in the mess we're in today because really, fathers aren't really being fathers. Psalm 78, we're supposed to teach it to our children or teach it to their children. Teach it to, We don't do that, folks. We don't, we, we don't do that. I, I take them to church and let the king, let the king train, train them for me. King will do a better job of it than me. I don't, you know, I'm a Christian, but I've got, I got, I'm just a layman. I just go to work and, I'm, you know, valley. You need help? Oh yeah, call the king. You know, now look, I'm not saying that the pastor desires to be the king, although some do. I'm saying that we have made the pastor the king. Somebody shoots the king. What do you do then? And that's what I love most about about this and what's going on here, and the men and women who are being inspired to step outside of their comfort zones and do things that they do not really feel comfortable to do. So I want to encourage you this morning. We got several really, really good 
projects that are going on. But hey, look, you got to do this, man. You got to expand your horizons. The cricket's back. Multi-million dollar studio. Food from what's this? Klaus Schwab sent me breakfast over here. I'm going to get him after the show's over, right? So I want you to know this. As, as some of you don't know me at all. Some of you just watch on the show. Who is this guy? I want you to know that I'm here to help you become all you can be. I don't know, how, I don't know what that means. I don't know, how, I don't know what that looks like. That's, that's my goal. I, I, was, I was thinking this morning as I got up, kind of looking down at the list of things that I got, that we're trying to plan got on the table. And I said, you know, I'll be 70. I'll be 70 in two months, 70 years old. And I thought, uh, boy, it'd be so easy, wouldn't it? Go get on, get in a camper and go down, sit on the beaches down in Destin or go over to Cocoa Beach. Boy, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Get up every morning, figure out where I'm going to eat my my breakfast this morning, what beach I'm going to go lay on, which which beach I'm going to go walk with my metal detector and looking for coins. I don't think that's the way we're supposed to live. I don't think that's the way our lives are supposed to be. And unfortunately, that's become... That's be- okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll say that one. Some of you are sitting on a pile of money, and you're going to die, or the economy is going to collapse, and that money ain't going to be worth a pile of horse dung. And you, you better figure out right now where you can invest now to advance the kingdom of God, because it is happening right now. If you, if you follow along, some of the prophecies out there, Folks, it's, it's going to start getting ugly, and it's going to start getting ugly in September, October, November. It's going to start getting ugly, and we still don't get it. And we're still thinking, you know, uh, you know this, right? That $100,000 that you have in your bank account, you know that when the economy crashes, that disappears, right? You need to ask yourself right now. I'm not begging you for money. Relax. I'm asking you where you, where you could right now make the biggest difference with that big pile of money that you think is going to be there because it ain't going to be there. And if it is there, you're going to leave it to your kids and then they're going to blow it on whatever. They're going to blow it. So uh, we, have, we, we live our lives with, a, with an understanding of the end, but not really a true understanding of the end and how quickly it, it, it can be gone, done, and done. And I think about that often here. What would happen to Coach Dave live if tomorrow morning y'all logged in here and I didn't show up. What happens to this group? And that's the problem we run into with pastor-driven churches. You kill the king and scatter the sheep. Isn't that what it says? Isn't that what it says in John 10? I think it's John 10. Hit the shepherd and where did the sheep go? So that's why the, the desire of my heart is to build each and every one of you into the best that you can be. Now, look, I can't do that. There's a hundred and however many people there are in here. And how many thousands listen, right? How, how does Rob Parsley, Rob Parsley of World Harvest Church, he has a worldwide audience. How does he pastor? How do you pastor those kind of, what the heck? Where do we ever think that you could go to some big mega church and get pastored? Where did that ever come from? He probably doesn't even know your name. If he does have your name, doesn't have time for you. It's because of what we've created. But you guys are the worker bees. You're the worker bees. You are the ones that are going to get it done. And my wife said to me today, again, she's so wise. She's so wise. She says, they, uh, boy, these guys, need, these guys need fellowships and relationships and connections. And I pray that's going on. I pray that Serge is talking to Mike Blake and, Mike Blake's talking to whoever. I pray that those networks are being formed. Because ultimately, uh, we have a lot of people, ultimately, wrong, wrong uh, adjective. Uh, we got a lot of lonely, we got a lot of lonely hearts out there. And you need to be connected to somebody. And I, other than through this show, I don't know how to do it. So build your own relationships out there. Keep one another, uh, we say accountable. I think for the most part, people are accountable. But uh, bear one another's burdens, man. Hold each other up. Walk through this thing alone. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. And I have guys who dip in and out of the queue and hear about them. They don't hear from them for a couple weeks, in and out. And why? They're out there floundering. They get an, shut up. They get an hour 
Do you hear him? Get an hour of Coach Dave live every day, and then they got 23 hours that they live by themselves. It's not good that man should be alone. And he wasn't talking just about a spouse. It's not good for man to be alone. And I think there's a lot of lot of lonely folk out there. Okay, I don't know where that came from, but it needed to be said. Myra, go ahead and pray us in. Then I need to do so. It is written, Luke 5, 42 through 46. For a good tree bringeth not forth corruption, fruit neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit, for of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bamboo. Bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Mm. And why call ye me Lord? Lord, and do not the things which I say. Amen. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to Coach Dave Harrell, and we open our hearts to you. I release the anointing that breaks the power of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. An evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit. That's why the Republican Party is no good to us, folks. It's become an evil tree. There may be good people in the tree. There may be good parrots sitting up in the tree. But the tree is evil. And it can't bring, good, bring forth good fruit. Neither can, neither can the Democratic Party. And so you have our government is flooded by evil people. The Bible tells us it cannot bring forth good fruit. can't do it. The system is designed to bring forth bad fruit. So that's why I'm adamant that the solutions to our condition is us. It's us, those of us in this queue. We're the solutions to it. God's people. Call it the ecclesia, call it the remnant, call it whatever the heck you want to. If God's people don't arise up and push back against these forces of darkness, I was I had uh, had lunch yesterday with again a remain anonymous pastor former pastor, pastor call upon his life. And I just asked the question of him. And I asked, the, you know, I, I don't have the mind of a pastor. What are these guys thinking? The world is falling apart around us. And for the most part, they, they don't get engaged at all. They don't get engaged. Pick your big church. Pick Joel Osteen's church. This is his church. What could he do? Could he impact the city of Houston? With the 10,000 people, 20,000 people, whatever, they come there every week. An army of 20,000 people. Could he impact the schools? Could he impact the medical community? Could those 20,000 people, all in one accord, under the power of God, led by a man of God, control, that's not the right word, influence school boards, government entities? Could he? He could, but he doesn't even have that vision to do it. Why? So on a smaller scale, I sit here in frustration every day because I see how this game can be played and won, and it's the, it's they're not even they're not even thinking that way. They're not even thinking about impacting the culture of the society. They're thinking about their little huddle, their own little huddle. They're so myopic, nearsighted. But they don't understand that there's 30 guys down the road in another church and 50 over on the other corner in another church. And we're all God's children. And we're all God's, not, we're not all God's children. The people in the church, hopefully, are all God's children. And we are an army of God-fearing men and women who can impact our country and our communities. And they don't even think about it. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Somebody can explain that one to me. I'd sure, I'd sure love to do it. Because when I was coaching football, I was constantly recruiting. Constantly recruiting. Because I knew that in the, 
uh, in the multitude of many counselors is great wisdom. Numbers matter. So it's sort of what we're trying to do with the Christian revolution, or the, I'm sorry, so many things going on, the um, uh, Liberty Action Network. Focus a team running the same play. Are pastors involved with it? No, no, no. They got other stuff they do. I don't know what it, what it is. I mean, it's certainly certainly a pastor. Certainly, a pastor wouldn't want good Christian public schools, would he? Oh no, 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 no. that wouldn't impact the community, would it? No, certainly no churches. Uh, uh, no church. They wouldn't want to stand up and stop drag queen story hour at their library. They would. That, that's not the gospel. That's politics. And so, the vehicle that we have to alter and change the course of society is the church, and they don't want to get involved. Might make some enemies. I see a bunch of you want to get in here. Uh, Oh, my goodness. I thought, Lord, what am I going to talk about today? I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to open it up. Um, David Heavener, or David Heavener, to me, David's in my life. David Paxton was on with me yesterday on the Bridie on show, and it's, it's posted. It's it's worth watching if you want to, because we're uh, uh, David is really awakened something inside me with the idea that uh, we speak uh, Christianese to each other. We talk about covenants. We talk about curses. We talk about uh, evil spirit. We talk, and the and the lost world doesn't really have any idea what we're talking. about. We're speaking a different language. Remember this: the Bible says that the natural man. The non-born-again man can't receive the things of the Spirit. Neither can he. He doesn't understand. And we speak Christianese to him all the time. And David Paxton uh, came up with this idea or is teaching that a covenant is a contract. In fact, do that real quick for me, Spence. Pull up uh, Webster's. Pull up Webster's and look at covenant and contract. Covenant. Covenant is what? A mutual consent or agreement of two or more persons. A writing containing the terms of agreement uh, or contract. Contract. So what's a what's a contract? Put that in there, Spence. Contract. It's, by the way, we have a new and everlasting covenant. Covenant is a contract. Is to draw together or near to draw into less com- uh, to draw the parts together to wrinkle to betroth to an alliance to draw to bring. To shrink, uh, oh, that means contract, an agreement, a covenant between two or more persons in which each party binds itself. See, folks, God's God's promises are covenantial. God's promises are contractual. God's promises are conditional. We haven't been taught that, right? We are now under what's called the new and everlasting covenant. We're under a blood contract. And what do contracts say? Contracts say, if you do this, I will do this. And the entire Bible is lined with contracts. We call them covenants. Now, you wouldn't think so much. See, we don't even here in America, we don't even keep our word. We don't even see that as Chris. You don't have to say amen. We as Christians don't even keep our word. We tell our friends that we're going to do something, then we don't do it. We tell our spouse we're going to do something, then we don't do it. We tell our boss we're going to do something, then we don't do it. We tell our pastor we're going to do something, then we don't do it. We tell the Lord we're going to do something, then we don't do it. We're not men of our words. Why? Because we don't understand the whole idea of a covenant being a contract. So I would say to my grandson, David, hey, David, come down there, pick up some sticks in my yard. And David, uh, I want you to pick up 20 of them. I'm going to give you a nickel for each one you pick up. That's a dollar, David. He pick up 20 sticks to me. And he goes and he picks up the 20 sticks. He comes back and he counts them out to me and there's 19. I said, David, I said 20. And what's he do? He runs back and he gets the other and comes back and he puts it down there and the contract's been fulfilled. And I, I pay him. I pay him the $20. That's part of the deal. And Jesus said he'd never leave us, he'd never forsake us. It's a blood covenant, a new and everlasting covenant. He signed in his blood. He is a man of his word. The Bible says that his word is above his name, because if his word is no good, his name is no good. 
I could be Coach Dave to you, and you could really, really like me and everything I do. But if I lie to you or I steal from you, that reflects on my name. And you say, I really like the guy, but I can't trust him. He doesn't keep his word. And so we find ourselves in a relationship with the Lord, and he keeps his word. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And here we are on the other side of that contract, and we don't keep our contracts at all. And then we come to him and say, hey, hey, Lord, you, you said there'd be a hedge of protection over me. Oh, yeah, I did say that. If, if, that's the shortest big word in all the, all the English language, particularly in the Bible. Amen. If you do this, then I'll do this. If, pull up conditional promises real quick. I got, I, I got to get this out of me. Got to get this out. <clears throat> That's the first link there. I didn't, didn't put anything. Conditional. If the conditional promises of God, make that thing a little bit bigger if you can. Because I just want to show you an example. One of the most used words in the Bible is if. In the King James, James Version, if appears 1,400 times. A great number of those times, if, is part of a conditional promise made by God. A conditional contract is one that if the person performs A, then God promises to uphold his contract by doing B. Some of these promises are, and it shall come to pass, if. You shall hearken diligently unto my commands, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul, that then I will give you the rain of your latter land in the due season, the first rain, if, if thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony, then I'll do my end of it. If you be willing and obedient, then I'll keep my part of this deal. Simple enough, isn't it? Do A, and God promises B. But don't do A, and God doesn't promise B. Yes, he does promise B. He promises B and says, if you don't do this, bang, Deuteronomy 28. All these promises come upon you. But see, we we, we make it big picture, set a little picture. Big picture, set a little picture. Ask yourself this. Can, can God trust you? If you, if you tell him you're going to do something, do you do it? Do you follow through and do it? And I would say for the most part, we don't. And what happens? You do this, blessings are going to follow. You don't do this, oh, bad things are going to happen. We call them curses, but people don't understand. That's Again, that's Christianese. Boom. You follow my rules, good things happen. You don't follow my rules, bad things happen. It's not judgment. It's just the reality of you are not doing what I told you to do, and you're going down a path you shouldn't be going down. Amen. Amen, Dave. Amen. And then what do we do? Then we want to blame the Lord, or then we want to beg to the Lord, or, or, or do whatever. And he says, dude, just do what you said you'd do. That's all I want you to do. You made a covenant with me. You made a deal with me. I shed my blood. New and everlasting covenant. I'm going to keep my end of the bargain. You can trust it. You can write it down. Boom. Once saved, always saved. Oh, yeah? Paxson said yesterday on my Brideon show, God says you can't pluck somebody out. Never pluck them out of my hand. Never pluck them out of my hand. Can you jump out of your hand? Can you jump out of his hand? Huh? Are you so stupid to think that you can? I'm saved and I can go do whatever I want to, and I'm still in God's hands? You're dumber in hell. You don't do that with your own children. You don't do that with employees who don't do what they're supposed to do, who don't follow uh, the, the contract that they signed to work for you. You wouldn't keep them around any longer. Why? Why would we think that Almighty God winks and nods at your disobedience to a deal that you made with Him? Amen. See, we live, a, we live a gospel. We, we live a Christianity where he's all in and we ain't in. <laughs> he's all in. Yes, sir. He promised, man. That's Psalm 91, right? He dwells in the secret place of the most high. Do you dwell in there? You run in and out. You run, do you run in when you need shelter? Is that when you're, that's when you're dwelling in there? In fact, man disobeyed God so regularly, so often, so egregiously that God had to spell out conditional punishments for disobedient man. Okay, if you want to be cute, if you do see, I'm going to do, make sure you suffer by letting A, but D come upon you. And a great many of those very negative, very specific promises are in Deuteronomy 28, right? 
but it shall come to pass if, if, to observe all I command you and statutes I command you this day, and all these curses shall come upon you if you don't. If you don't, bad things are going to happen. Okay, I'm, I'm beating that dead horse, right? You're beating that dead horse. And folks, this isn't legalism. Uh, Jesus said very simply, hey, dude, you don't have to agree to it. But why would you say I'm Lord and, but, and then, you know, keep the conditions of the covenant? I, I don't get it here, dude. Why did you say you're going to mow the grass and you didn't mow it? You want me to pay you for something you didn't do? You disobeyed, didn't mow, said you were going to do that? You told me you were going to get up every morning and do a devotional and you haven't been doing that? You, you made that deal with me? Because remember this, don't ever forget this. God's word is above his name. Hey, is your word above my above a name? How many of you would keep watching Coach Dave live if you found out that I was sneaking out and meeting women in hotels? Hmm? Not many, would you? But you want the Lord to continue to bless you regardless of your behavior regardless of whether or not you've kept your word and you're into the deal. And don't, don't ever forget this. All of God's commands are protective. He says, I love you, man. I want to keep you out of trouble. Do this. But if you don't do that, better be careful. Because I love you, and I'm trying to protect you. Say, yeah, but you know what? I'm not happy. Man. I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm thinking with you. Yeah, but I'm not happy in my marriage, you know. Yeah, yeah, but did you make a vow? Yeah, but eh, things change, Lord, things change. So I think I really believe that a lot of what we see going on in America is not the devil. It's the consequences of our disobedience to what we told the Lord we would do. We have not kept our end of the bargain, and that opens the door. Boom. Boom. And I don't think the devil has much power, really. He doesn't, have any more power. he doesn't have any more power than what we give him. In fact, the Lord said, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and earth. Go on, man. Go down there. Hey, by the way, just follow what I told you to do. Just just follow what I told you to do. It'll all be, it'll all be cool. But you don't keep your word. Julie, come on in. Good morning. Great show, Coach. Um, getting back to the Kings. Um. Not all churches, but many churches will not equip their congregation or their flock to go out and disciple. And I think it's because their fear of losing their congregation, which yeah. money. Well, Julie, that would that would be like uh, that would be like my football team in London not showing up to play West Jefferson. Oh, they'll show up and play Madison Plains, and they'll show up and they'll play against Jonathan Arbor. <laughs> they ain't going to show up for West Jefferson. They won't, they won't play in the big game. One thing real quick, um, we did a youth outreach with um, the church, and we invited all the surrounding churches to come and be a part of that. Well, guess what? Only one showed up, and that was it. That was so sad. Well, it's typical, though, right? Because they're not men and women of their word. It's the way I see it. Joe Carrico, then Silver. Uh, you know, Coach, uh, earlier uh, you were talking about, oh, boy, Lord, give me that thought back. You were talking about leadership, and, you know, there's a vacuum. And, uh, nature doesn't like a vacuum, and right. if if there's if there isn't the vacuum, sometimes people don't step up, you know. And uh, I think this is the way that either we are made or we've become. Mm-hmm. Hey, Joe, I think it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Whatever He says unto you, do. If the Lord says, "Hey, pick up the phone and call Coach Dave," well, why don't you do that? Rather than saying, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, he has his favorites or, or whatever, whatever it might be. He would never, he doesn't even know me. What? what? You know, I think yeah, there's a, a lot to what you say because uh, recently in my new career, in my new life here, I've been 
follow those little intuitions, those little that silent little voice, that still little voice. And when I follow it, I get a home run, a home <laughs> run and a home run. I had a lawyer setting me up, setting me up for a fall. Little voice said, call that number again. I called the number. I found out what I needed to know. And I told him, no, nah, we don't need to, we, we're, we're done. We're okay. I'm, I'm fine on my side. And I just got discovered X, Y, and Z. And he said, thanks for investigating. And the little email he sent me that would have, was a third part of a three-part um, dialogue of uh, messages at the message center from this water company. If I had fallen for what he sent me, we'd have been sunk. Hope, line, and secret. I never would have had a relationship with the man. Mm-hmm. Week later, he called me up, and and uh, he's got a good heart. And there's other things that, and he knows that that I followed that little voice. <laughs> so my <laughs> sheep, my sheep hear my voice, and another voice they will not hear is not the right word because we hear all kinds of voices. My sheep hear my voice, and another voice they will not obey. Yeah, we don't listen. Right. That's right. It's all about it's all about contractual obedience. Blessed Joe Silver, come on in. Coach, in the midst of all of this, as we are uh, discussing things, and you know the projects that we're working on, uh, the Lord just gave me this. There is no call for repentance. Pre-trib is a lie. Mid-trib is a lie as well. Post-trib is a lie. Hmm. What is what these all are is irrelevant. It makes no it has no sense to it. Theories. And the Lord says, focus on me. As time moves on and as the battle rages around you, focus on me. Amen, buddy. <laughs> Everything else is a theory. <laughs> Sorry, it's a theory, right? Oh, my goodness. Dale, come on in. Then Jack. Amen, Coach. You know, the, the, the truth about that when we're dealing with Satan, of course, we want to use him. We're actually, we're giving him that limelight by saying these things that are going on are because of Satan. Because Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. And there's only a handful of occasions where you actually see He's in the interaction when he came to Jesus in the desert, when he entered into Judas, when he uh, uh, came into uh, to the king. We see those things. But what we can read, though, what once again, those conditional things, those if and those ifs have not only blessings attached to them, but they also have things that would be called curses. Now, it says mm-hmm. in Galatians, right, Galatians, it says that let me let me get a uh, 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 the translation for you in the King James, See, right? Curse is nothing more than a condition of a violated Right. If I smoke, I'm sorry, listen, you ain't going to hell if you smoke. You might smell like it, but if you're going to smoke and you get lung cancer and you're going to blame it on the devil, you're a fool. All right. So King James <laughs> says this For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. In other words, Amen. brother, it's not the devil. Yes, there are little lower minions in there. There are temptations and there are all of those things. But most of the problems that we have is when we look in the mirror, it's that stinking carcass of what we call flesh. Dale, that's why fasting, folks, look at me here. That's why fasting is so important. Because fasting teaches you to reject the thing that you want the most. Food is constantly on our mind. And all fasting does is train you to say no to that natural urge to want to eat. It's a spiritual conditioning. And if you if you can say no to food, well, you can no, say no to gossip. You can say no to porn. You can say no to belittling your children. You can say no to stopping and having that beer on the way home. If 
You can't, folks, you can't blame the devil on that. It comes down to what they call willpower. I will not to do that. Or you will do it every day of your life. It's a battle over the will, the willpower. And most of the things you're struggling with is you are willing not to be obedient. You still got that lousy relationship gone with your brother you haven't spoken to in three years? We'll pick up the damn phone and call him. Coach, if I may throw it right in there, what you're talking about, it says, life and death is held in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, brother, we're either speaking life or death, blessings or curses. We pray, and then we blow that sucker right out of the air with a condom, condemnation of a prayer. Amen. Amen. Keep your, keep your, keep your daggone word. Jack, go ahead, then uh, Clay. Yeah, on that note, it, ex, um, discipline takes exercise. It's the same thing. You have to discipline yourself. It's an exercise. Yeah. And one yeah. of the... One of the great things about being in here, Coach, is we, you, you spark thoughts in us. I know that you do it to me all the time. And when you were talking about the kingship that we see in the churches today, that's where we were when at the time of the revolution because the king thought that by taking out or by discrediting the Black Robe Regiment, he could win. Well, back then, the Black Robe Regiment was part of the part of the, the, the war force and anybody in the church could step in and fill the pulpit today you're right we're back to where they were if the king said oh take that bishop out of there the church collapses today okay. if you take out most of these these kings in the pulpit the church collapses okay we have we have we have christian hero worship we call yeah. them pastors you can name them i can i can name them huh i'm gonna tell you this Randy Lunsford has as much wisdom as as uh, John MacArthur. Randy has as much wisdom as Joel Osteen. Randy has as much wisdom as uh, uh, what's that big fat guy's name? That purpose driven life. What's his name? Hey, Rick, War- Rick, Rick Warren. Warren. Rick Warren. In fact, Randy Randy has more influence and more wisdom because he's not a glutton like Rick Warren is. You understand what I'm saying, folks? And we we magnify these people, these compromised people, because it's about a kingship. Clay, come on in. Three quick comments. A scripture with the word if in it, the one that I hold dear to my heart and close to me is John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, if you love me, you'll do what I say. And uh, we need to teach our kids to do that because they, they get out of the house and then when they leave, they don't do as we told them to do. And then it causes a massive separation. Another thing, Coach, is people that are getting married, I don't, I, I, they don't know that they're getting in a covenant. It's not explained to no. them that they're getting in a contract and a covenant. And that's what's wrong with most marriages. And then in regard to you, Coach, being 70 coming up here, uh, you get up every day, five days a week, and give us the spirit and the message and bring us together. And you may live to be 95 years old, and 25 years is a long time to be metal detecting on the beach. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Hey, hey listen, I just, the Holy Spirit just prompted me to say this. Uh, I love my wife so much. I would not be what I am, whatever that is. Well, if it wasn't for that help me. And she knows when to she knows when to bite and she knows when to kiss. And she, uh, when she bites me, I know she I know she's biting me for a reason. I know she's biting me because she loves me. And there's nobody in this world that has more influence over me than that sweet little brunette up at the top of the hill here. House. And I just want I just want to acknowledge that that uh in that multitude of great wisdom, a great in the multitude of many counselors is great wisdom. I'm always pushing on the gas. She's always pushing on the clutch. <laughs> and it's it's just a it's just a perfect it's a perfect blending. Randy, come on in. Then uh, then uh, Myra, we'll get Myra in and Bernie. Go ahead, Randy. Coach, I want to just hit on what Joe Silver said 
that is very prophetic, Joe. I I judged it. I pondered that for a little while, and I think it's right on. I, in my in my opinion, but Coach, I want to build on that. What what he's saying with those words is, we have so much work to do coming right ahead of us, and if we can't be in relationship, it ain't gonna happen. I'll tell you why, Coach, because Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah, they come back and they were building. And of course, they were fighting the enemy at the same time. We know the story. But, but they were exacting usury from each other. They, were, they, they had come out of Babylon with this system of interest, which we know is not of God. This is what's getting ready to happen in our country. We're getting ready to see it fall. Yep. But they were charged, the ones that were still well off were charging their brothers and sisters this usury to loan them money instead of saying, here, just... Take $1,000. You need it. Let's keep building. Let's not have any differences. Let's be in unity. But they were, and so Nehemiah got word of it, and he goes, you can't do this. We have this huge battle. We have this thing in front of us we have to do, and you guys are taking advantage of each other. See, Coach, what, what Silver's saying, if I can tie this up, he's saying forget our differences of theology right now this isn't even on the table we have to do god's work that's right in front of us and if we don't get in unity and relationship we can't do it and and here's my last thing coach here's what nehemiah said he said to them when he realized they were doing this he said we must stop this spiritual usury and then he says you do it coach because of the fear of god Coach, when we see the fear of God hit us, we ain't going to do anything of our own agenda. It's going to be God's agenda because we are going to be so, we're going to look up and go, you're going to take me out of this. You're going to strike me down if I don't stay true and and get out of this for my own selfishness. And that's where we're at, Coach. We are right at that door right now. Spiritual usury, right? Talk about the three guys that the the, uh, – one planted in the good soil, what, whatever. And one guy didn't plant because he said, I know you're a hard taskmaster. And the Lord didn't like it because he didn't get any usury, any return on his investment in the gospel. No return on it. Oh, he had salvation, but he didn't get any return on that salvation. And that's the one the Lord said, you wicked servant. Ooh. Kept it to yourself. You wicked servant. Bernie. Yeah, thanks, Coach. Yeah, backing up, too, I, I had this thought, kind of applied to something we talked about earlier, about like, keeping our vows. And I was thinking, you know, I, when I got married, I vowed to be faithful to my wife, but that's the worst part. And I was thinking, you know what? I haven't fulfilled that until that's the worst part. That's, that's that, that commitment. You know, we haven't. Fulfilled our vows, Lord. We have to keep on going. We're, that's why we have to finish the race. Amen. Not, Amen. Not just start it. We got to get into it, finish it. So the Bible says, Bernie, we have to cast off all these sins and all these weights that so easily ensnare us. Folks, listen. That goes back to repent of a broken contract. Have you ever looked at times where you told the Lord you were going to do something and didn't do it? Did you ever go back and say, Lord, I'm I'm bad gone. I promised you I would do that, and I, I didn't do it. Forgive me, Lord. Make that real. How many of you right now could think of somebody you're mad because they didn't pay you back? <laughs> maybe it's $50. Maybe it's $100. Whatever it is. They, they still owe you. They, they, never, they never paid you back. Wow. You better look in the mirror, dude. Because the Bible says in the same standard, in the same manner, you're going to be – Lord's going to look at you and say, dude, you owe me some stuff here. <laughs> you owe me. You didn't keep your end of the deal here, dude. You owe me. Myra. Good one, Bernie. Craig and yeah, then Alan. Yes, yes, Coach. It's just we have such a beautiful people in this uh, huddle. I can never stop saying it because they really are from Julie, from Joe, from Dale, mm. from Jack, from Craig, from Ray, from Bernie. Tell us a story, not your life story. Come on. Yes, they're all saying, well, this all relates to what they're saying um, in regard to recruiting. And uh, we're reading Isaiah 43, 16 through 19. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through 
mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, that they lay there never to rise again, extinguish, snuff out like a wick, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And like a coach says, recruit, bring people um, to us. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. Hallelujah. And Amen. also, we have the Christian Revolution tonight at 7.30. Please join us. Amen. Craig, Joe, your hand's still up. I don't know if you want to come back in or not. If you leave it up, if you do. Craig, go ahead. Well, Coach, we've gone from a people of being a marriage covenant to prenuptial agreement. That's uh -huh. where we're at. <laughs> well said. A prenuptial agreement. That's right. We said. Uh, well, he signed that, didn't he? He signed that covenant in blood. It's a prenuptial agreement. That's right. Alan. Hey, good morning, Coach. Now you brought up the word repentance. Coach, in the high 90 percentage of so-called American Christians, the majority of the, those folks that call themselves Christians has zero, they have zero understanding of the word repent. They don't understand repentance. How in the world can you be saved, Coach, if you can't? Repent. No repentance. If there's no repentance, there's no salvation. And the church today in America has no clue about what repentance is, is even all about. Amen, Alan. Amen. It's not just saying you're sorry, right? It's a complete turn. Amen. By the way, Absolutely. David Paxton would say it's a, it's a, it's a uh, fulfilling of a contract. Repentance is either the canceling, the formal canceling, or renewing of a contract. That's what repentance is. You go back and you make it right. And then when you make it right, you don't do it again. You, you don't keep coming back and apologizing for lying and stealing again and again and again. Joe, come on in. No? Okay, I'm going to show yes, you something. Yes, yes. Uh, real quick, earlier you mentioned contracts, and it's the that the Bible is a big contract. And what I'm learning and I, and I look at, at healings, for example, uh, and miracles, and Mark uh, 11, 23, 24, and also the woman with the issue of blood, and, and also the centurion and his servant. It's faith, and it's a contract. It's speaking, it's believing, and it's taking a prophetic action. The woman no. with the issue of blood, she spoke it. She believed it. She spoke what she had to do, and she touched his garment. It's a contract. It's a contract. 1,400 times the Bible uses the term if. If. Whew, that's, that's, that's conditional to me, boys and girls. I don't know what you think. i got to show you this. Uh, Jonathan, go to Rob Reiner. I saw this. Uh, uh, this is this is what we're dealing with, folks. The dishonesty of those on the left. Something's happened to Bill Maher. He's almost starting to think again. He's almost starting to think. And so here, scrolling down, uh, Spence, he has a, an interview with. He's going to. It's very short. Rob Reiner sitting there, and some Democratic uh, representative, and watch Bill Maher pull down Rob Reiner's pants, and Reiner don't even know his pants have been pulled down. Go ahead and play that real quick. Take it at 1.5 speed if you could. That's fair. Let me ask you a more nuanced question about this. Is it okay to have a conspiracy to get rid of Trump? This came up this week because my friend Sam Harris was on a podcast. And he said, it's okay. a conspiracy to get rid of Trump. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Right. Thank you. Uh, he was talking about Hunter. I'm going to defer to my lawyer here. Uh, <laughs> Truer than you know. Uh, they, they were talking about Hunter Biden's laptop, which was a story, and now all the mainstream press has finally admitted it was a real story. It was a real laptop with... Now, look, let's not pussyfoot around this. 
he was selling the influence of his father, Joe Biden. I mean, most political sons do. Let's not pretend that at least wasn't going on. I mean, the guy, some guy from China gave him after a dinner an $80,000 diamond after dinner, as one does. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> if you're Naomi Campbell, but it doesn't <laughs> usually happen. To, okay. So Hunter Biden's laptop was buried by the press. Even the head of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, said that was a mistake. They buried the story because they remembered what happened with James Comey and the letter 11 days before the 2016 election. Comey said, we got to reopen this email investigation with Hillary Clinton. And it probably was the last... I mean, she ran a horrible campaign, didn't go to Wisconsin, we know all that. But this was probably the last thing that sunk her. So Sam Harris says it was appropriate, it was appropriate for Twitter and the heads of big tech and the heads of journalistic organizations to feel that they were in the presence of something that is a once-in-a-lifetime moral emergency, meaning Trump. So he's saying it's okay to have a conspiracy to get rid of somebody as bad as... I want to make a point here real quick. Don't miss this, because I've been saying this for a while. The left thinks they're more moral. You understand this? Everything they do, they think they are moral in doing it. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's Trump. It's a little bit of a thorny question because once you go down this road, this is sort of where we are in this country. The other side is so evil, anything is justified in preventing them from taking office. Is it? No, no. You know what's not justified? Using armed violence to try to kill people in the Capitol. That's not justified. Answer this question. Huh? Is it, was it, answer this question. Well, it is was the it appropriate, the question is, was, was it press? appropriate to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing the, that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election. Well, and, and we know for a fact that that's what they did? Of course. You no, don't but follow I mean, this. Saying you you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did? I don't know what they did. I know, because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's not true. That's not true. Well, then you would know about this. I do know about that. Well, you're acting I do, like you I know. Do, I do know about that, and I do watch Fox. But the point is, uh, you, we're going to prove now that, they, that, they, that the, the press uh, play, you know, tried to... They're admitting it. They're, the press is a, admitting it. Yes, that's not even an issue anymore. They're saying, yes, we basically did this because we didn't want this to throw the election. Yes? I don't know that they've all said this. And I, I believe I, I, I believe. Well, the New York Times the definitely did. My dad was a reporter. I believe in it. And I think you have to you have to make sure that you're treating people fairly. But I think Rob's point here is that we are dealing um, with a man who used to be the president right now who literally tried to lead an armed insurrection and that's why we're so focused on this right now and i have not been as you've noticed as bombastic <laughs> as my friend here um about, what's, about what's gonna happen uh, yeah. about what's gonna happen coming out of the what we just got out of okay the, so there you have it you can cut that off friends there is an example of situational ethics situational ethics right and this is exactly what the media is doing to us. They are, they are presenting only. Do you think Rob Reiner doesn't know? Maybe he doesn't know. How could he not know that they now said this Jack, what's his name, who came out and said, yeah, we were hiding all that information. Yeah, because Trump was so evil that we wanted him to lose. So we hid all this laughing. Yeah, that was a good thing. See, so understand this. The devil has convinced these people that they're righteous and we're not. That's the battle. That's the two-card Monty that's being played against us. Clay, come on. She just pulled her own pants down, Coach. She said they're trying to get Trump for leading an armed insurrection, and the whole world knows that that we weren't armed, that nobody there was armed. (laughs) Amen. Well, they they should know it, right? They should. But So, again, I'm trying to show you the point I'm making here is they are following their own moral code. They think Trump was so wicked that it's okay to lie and cheat and steal. That's a moral thing to do to keep him from getting an office. Folks, that that is the whole, whole democratic position. If they think we're immoral 
and we think they're immoral. Can I tell you why? Because we have an everlasting standard, and they have an ever-changing standard. That's where the battle is, man. That's what's playing out before us. Quickly, Rochelle, wrap us up. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Alan, wrap us up. Coach, if you go back to 1988 and you watch Trump sitting on Oprah's couch, everything he said then, he says now, the only difference in Trump now is he's against killing babies, and that's why they hate him, Coach. That's the bottom <laughs> line right there, brother. Hey, man, hey so why do, you call, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I ask you to do? See you tomorrow.